Hey, a warm welcome to Wednesday's programme to you. How are you? It's uh, the 10th of November 2021. It's your BBG, live from a pretty grim Salford, here in the northwest of the UK. Comment on the programme through my website, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live on the menu bar. I think I've got a very interesting programme for you. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Sure isn't it always interesting, huh? It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. I'll be joined this hour by a gentleman called Wes Jackson. Wes is the director and the owner of a company called Cremation Low Cost Direct UK. It's a company that offers affordable funeral services for people. Now, Shelley Tasker, who's an activist and a radio presenter from Cornwall, got in touch with me overnight and said, Richie, take a look at this video of this funeral director speaking a few days ago. You might want to have a chat with him. And we do. Wes Jackson will be on the programme to talk about his experiences of the last 12 to 14 months. And do I need to tell you, he's got some very interesting things to say indeed. I've mentioned how to reach me already, so do so. Throughout the programme, I'll be dropping in and out of your messages to read them out. It's uh, Wednesday's programme, your Richie Allen show, and it's nice to be with you to be with you. I heard you. Nice. It sure is. I have to say I enjoyed the phone-in last evening. I always do enjoy them. It never ceases to amaze me that you throw the phones open. We can't screen the calls. We don't know. I don't know who's going to call in. And it's never been a letdown. We've never had anybody, not a single person phoned in, in the time I've been doing it, that didn't have something interesting to say. So I enjoyed that. And if you missed it, it's archived iTunes, Spotify, Podomatic, and all the rest of it. It's well worth a listen. If you don't, you don't mind me saying so. Now, if you've been listening to me long enough, you will have heard me and my guests discussing the potential for bed blocking to make the annual NHS winter crisis worse than it already is, right? When they announced that COVID jabs would be mandated for care workers and then they said that those jabs would eventually be mandated for NHS workers, I wasn't the only one, of course, many others said it as well, that this would lead to seniors staying in hospital for longer than necessary. This happens pretty much every winter anyway. It's not new that a senior citizen recovers from maybe a fall, maybe a bit of flu, maybe a bit of COVID, right? Right? But but can't be discharged because there isn't anybody to take care of them at home and there's a shortage of mobile care workers or there aren't enough beds in care homes or care facilities themselves. Now, this is happening. I said and others said This is going to be a lot worse this coming winter. The BBC reported this afternoon, this lunchtime, on a story in Derry. A woman from Grey Steel in Derry 
was admitted to the Waterside Hospital there about six or seven months ago. The lady has Alzheimer's. God love her. She's young. She's only 57. She's stranded in hospital because of a lack of carers to help look after her at home. Her husband has been speaking to the BBC. I wrote about that on the website richieallen.co.uk and it's on there if you want to have a look at it. it. It's kind of, I suppose, I suppose the first signs of it, that this is what's going to happen. The woman in hospital who doesn't need to be in hospital, it's not her fault, of course, heaven help her, of course it's not her fault, but that's going to become more and more commonplace, I think, in the coming weeks and in the coming months. Did you see that the French, France itself, the country, the government has become the first government in Europe to mandate the booster jab. In France, they are saying now that from Monday, this, sorry, not from Monday, God no, from December 15th, yes, not from Monday, excuse me, from December 15th, if you're over 65 and you haven't taken up the offer of a third jab or the booster jab, you will not be permitted to travel on the train and you will not be allowed to eat in restaurants. And it is widely believed the rule will apply to expats and to tourists too. So if you're living some of the year in France, you think it doesn't apply to you, it will apply to you. And if you're planning on taking a trip through France's wonderful vineyards and its wonderful southern cities and coastal regions, well, if you're over 65, you'll have to have had a booster or you won't be eating out and you won't be travelling on to choo-choo. Apparently, yes. Macron said, get vaccinated, get vaccinated to protect yourselves, get vaccinated to live normally. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave that one right there. Get vaccinated to live normally. Sajid Javid is the health secretary for the time being. He was on Sky News this morning with Kay, the ginger ninja Burley to talk about the decision to mandate the jabs for NHS workers if you've been living in a cave after weeks and weeks of procrastination. He finally said to Javid that the jabs will be mandated for NHS care workers or those who are face-to-face with patients. However, they won't be expected to prove it until April, until the spring of 2022, meaning he's going to use them up, he's going to wear them out, and I can't remember the rest of the lyrics to that song, much to your delight. (laughs) Yeah, so he's going to use them, and then next winter he's going to put them in a position where they might be fired. So he was on with Kay Birdie this morning to discuss this. You'll hear Birdie, I think, very quickly at the top of the programme. At the top of the interview, you'll hear her briefly, and then you'll hear him. Some of this is quite interesting indeed. Yeah, but should they lose their job if they don't want to? I don't want to see anyone lose their job. I don't want to see anyone have to walk away from their job. But I think that what we all do want to see, we want to see our hospitals, uh, people providing care, whether it's in your home or in our care home, and we want those patients, those people, to be as safe as possible. And now with what we know about this, this horrid virus, and, uh, but also that the fact that the vaccines work, I just do think it is important to be doing everything we can because also what I don't want to see, most of all, what I don't want to see is someone being exposed to, uh, that's vulnerable, being exposed to COVID when it could have been prevented and perhaps they might even die from that and I think that would be totally unacceptable. 
So if you've been double jabbed, then you can't pass on the virus? No, if you've been double jabbed, then you're less likely to be infected. Of course you can still get infected, but you're less likely to, and we know that. So if you've had the AZ jab, uh, for instance, that we know that from study after study, that the, the, the chances of you being infected are 65% uh, less than they would be otherwise. Uh, the, with the Pfizer jab, it's about 80% less. So you're less likely to be infected. And if you are, uh, you, know, you can only pass on the virus if you are infected. And, and that's why the, vi the vaccines are so important. Yeah, but you've got a 37% chance of still passing on COVID-19 if you've got it, even if you've been double jabbed. Pardee is getting very close to doing her job here. Don't get excited. She really doesn't do her job. So she says, well, you know, you can still pass it on anyway. 37% chance. So why the need to mandate it? The thing doesn't work really or, you know, do what you claim it does. What does Javid say? And, you know, this isn't about perfection. You know, there's no risk-free world that we can... With, due, we can, with we, all we due can't, respect, we don't, Health Secretary, come on. We don't live in a risk-free world. This, this virus, we're learning about it all the time, and it's our duty to make sure that we're doing everything we can, using all the tools that we have to protect people. And what yesterday's announcement is about is about protecting some of the most vulnerable people in our society. That we already know, anyone who's in hospital, in a hospital bed, they're there because they're vulnerable. They're already ill. There's already some, something uh, that's making them you know, ill and vulnerable. And the last thing you want to do is expose them to this horrible virus if it can be prevented. Now, I'm not pretending, nobody is, that you can have a 100%, 100% method of, of protecting them, but what you can do is reduce the, the chances of them becoming affected. And I think it is perfectly reasonable to say to everyone that works in health and care to, to, that you please you take this vaccine. Some 93% have had uh, at least one shot, and that's fantastic to see. Uh, there's still around 100,000, we estimate, in the NHS that have not. But over the coming months, we will work with them, the NHS will work with them in the most positive and constructive way uh, to help them make that positive decision to take the vaccine. Kay? Yeah, 37% chance is still pretty high, though, um, isn't it? Would it not be better? Well, what, what, would you, what would you like, Kay? Would you like a 100% chance? He gets very irate here. This is telling. Burley is sticking to her guns and saying that there's still a good chance that if you take one of these or both of these or three of these shots, that you'll give COVID or you'll transmit it or pass it on to somebody that you may be caring for. So... Why the, the, the need to mandate it? Why make the claim that you're doing it to protect the vulnerable when it won't necessarily protect the vulnerable? He gets really pissed off. Yeah, 37% chance is still pretty high, though, um, isn't it? Would it not be better? Well, what, what, would you, what would you like, Kay? Would you like a 100% chance? You're one, well, one, one. Yes, actually, I would like you to demonstrate that if I take the jab, that, that there is no chance whatsoever that I will pass anything on and that there isn't any chance whatsoever that I will myself get COVID. If you can prove that to me, if you can prove to me that if I have these jabs, I'll never get COVID and there's no chance I could ever pass anything on to anybody. And you can prove that without giving me articles that have been given to you by the World Health Organization or by the pharmaceutical companies themselves. If you can give me an independent analysis of it, I might consider it. But you're not. You're saying it might do this and it might do that and it won't prevent transmission. So I don't want to take it. He gets really nasty. Just about to go on, if I may. 
37, 37%, 37% if... chance. You say, you say it's quite high, but I'll tell you what, 80 and 90% chance is a lot higher. And I think your okay. viewers listening to this programme would understand that, that this is about minimising the risk. It's about minimising the risk. With this virus, it's a horrid virus. We, we, sadly, we know so many people that have been affected. You may know, I know people. I've lost loved ones to this. But lots of people have listening to this programme. And I think what they would expect that if you are in a vulnerable situation, if you're in a hospital bed, you're in a care home, you're at your home receiving domiciliary care, they don't want to know that that, that, that care worker that is perhaps visiting some 10 people that day, if they are uh, infected and perhaps they're asymptomatic, do you want them going around every house and infecting 10 of their people that they're seeing them? Of course you don't. Your viewers don't want to see that. Now, I'm not saying it can be 100%... If I can jump in at some stage can. and say, I was going to go on well, to I, well, say, why you, not you test can, people? You can, but I'm only doing what Why you normally test? do, but carry on. I'd have destroyed Javid. A politician many years ago tried to do to me what Javid tried to do to Burley and I annihilated him. It's a thing, it's, it's a thing in the business that you don't allow a politician to basically gazump you on your own show, to hijack you on your own show and take the piss out of you in front of your listeners. I would have wiped the floor with Javid and told him to shut his fat mouth and answer the question I put to him. But Burley is weak. Uh, she's incredibly weak and, of course, she's never been a journalist. If I may, uh, I was going to say, why not test somebody every day if they're a frontline worker and then you're 100% sure that they haven't got the virus? And that's what I mean by coming perilously close to doing her job properly. Perilously close. This is a good question. Why is the need to mandate it? Why not test these people, even on a daily basis, using a lateral flow test, if you, if you like? So that way you'll know that they've not got COVID and it's okay to go into wards and treat sick people and elderly people and what not. Good question. He doesn't like it. We do that anyway. The NHS will, will do that in most... I don't know if... Exactly <laughs> you do it anyway. Well, why do you need to mandate the jab then? If you're testing people every day... Why would you need to force a jab on them? Exactly every day, but in the end... Ah, they don't do it exactly every day. Well, our question is, why don't you do it exactly every day? No, no, it's exactly every day, but in the NHS and, and in care homes, people will be tested regularly precisely for the reason that you pointed out earlier, that when you take vaccines, of course, your chance of being infectious is a lot less. Ah, <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it, the way he tries to turn it around on Burley. We test people regularly because th the vaccines are not perfect. Burley is saying, well, she's not really, but kind of, why not take the vaccine out of the equation altogether? It's unnecessary. If you're testing them all the time, test them all the time. And then there's no need for any jabs, just test them. Oh, no, you're okay, you've not got it, in you go. And Javid says, well, the reason we're testing people regularly is because we've gotten them to get vaccinated, but we know that the vaccinations are not perfect. It's, this is vaudeville, this stuff, you know? It's at this point that Burley should rip him a new arsehole. But it's not foolproof, and that's why having the vaccine alongside regular testing is the, is the best way that we can go and protect everyone. No, she should hammer him here. She should rip him to pieces. No, stop it, you egg-headed goon. You flatulent fucker, you moron. Stop, stop. I just asked you, why don't you test them every day? Forget the jab. You've got 100,000 people in the NHS. 
by your own admission, who haven't had a job because they probably don't want one. Why risk losing that 100,000 people when you're already 40,000 nurses light, when you're already 10,000 doctors light, when you're already God knows how many cleaning staff and, and every other type of staff, administrative and, and, and so on. Why not say to those 100,000 who don't want the job, OK, we'll test you every day. That's where Birdie should have really jumped all over him and not bullying him. We're not talking about going Piers Morgan, that dipstick on GMB. We're talking about stopping him in his tracks and saying, stop bullshitting. But she doesn't. In any way that we can. You test people twice a week, I believe, in the NHS. Why not test them every day? Good girl. I think that it's about regular testing, and I'd leave that up to yeah, the clinicians. That's what she just fucking said. She said it's about regular testing. You goon. So just do that then. Tell the 100,000 who don't want it. Because they quite rightly uh, know that there's no long-term data on it. Because they know that it is being injected into people under emergency use authorization. Because they can fucking read. Because they can look at the yellow card reporting system and see the injuries. They can look at the VAERS reporting system in America. They know that these jobs are causing great harm to people. That's why they don't want the job. So it's up to you now. The ball's in your court. You want to keep them? Well, test them every day. Meet them halfway. But this is all about the job, isn't it? This is all about the job. You can't win with these goons. Because they are determined to jab every last man, woman and child on planet Earth with this crap that isn't even a vaccine. How could it be a vaccine if it doesn't stop you getting the thing? How could it be a vaccine if it doesn't stop you contracting the thing that it is meant to be protecting you against? How could it be a vaccine? It isn't. What do you know about it, Paulie? Me? Nothing. I am a layman. Why do I say that with such conviction? Have I become a truther overnight? God, no. God forbid. I say that because I have interviewed people like Sicharit Bhakti, Martin Kuldor from Harvard, Dolores Cahill. I could go on, the people I've had on this programme. Doctors from America, GPs, Pat Morrissey, Dr. Adair Limerick. Those people say this is not a vaccine. <laughs> and you'd have to be off your rocker to take it. Not knowing, not having any idea what it might do to you six months, eight months, 12 months, or four or five years down the line. This is mad stuff, this. Week's not every day, how, though, is it? I, should, I, I think the clinicians should decide how often people need to be tested and, uh, and the types of tests that, that are taken. But if, I think as long as there is regular testing and people have taken the vaccine, and of course there are other controls in place in a hospital, other infection controls and measures, I think all of these taken together makes the conditions for those vulnerable people as safe as they possibly can be. And again, that's really at the heart of yesterday's announcement. It's all about patient safety. Of course, it will help protect other colleagues in the NHS and in care as well, because you, know, you don't want the staff to, to get ill if that can be avoided. And so uh, th this is what yesterday's announcement is about. Yeah, right. Go back to uh, on topic uh, for you. Uh, I'm reading in yep. the newspaper this morning that um, over 65s in France um, will not be allowed access to um, restaurants, on trains, etc., unless they've had their booster. Is that something that you might look at? 
Uh, we're not looking at that uh, yet. Uh, we are you're very focused on our booster program, as you would imagine, over 10.6 million boosts, I think, uh, throughout the UK so far already, a record number of bookings, many people coming forward. I think in due course, uh, we will have to, to, to look at you know, what constitutes vaccination. But at this point, uh, the, the most important thing is that anyone that's eligible gets out there and gets their boost. OK, you said yet, so potentially in the future. I can't, I can't rule that out, and uh, I think that we know now that the vaccines do wane, and it is important that, uh, that those vaccines, where it's necessary, that those people get a top-up, and that's what the booster programme uh, is about. But I think it's something that we have to keep under review. OK. That was a bit spiky of us both today, wasn't it? Um, I don't know what's going to happen you in your next you like interview, spiky. but I must let you, you go. Like, you, you like spiky. <laughs> I do, actually. It's because I'm a, a Wigan Street fighter. It's good to She's a Wigan Street fighter, apparently, Kay Burley. 20 minutes past five, the Richie Allen Show. Wednesday's programme, the 10th of November 2021. Lots to talk about this evening. I'll be joined by a funeral director real soon. Can't wait to hear him. Uh, before that, what else is there to tell you? Yeah, this guy, David Lloyd, staying with the same programme very, very, very briefly. Uh, a GP in London, I think. Burley interviews him regularly. Uh, Burley is, is, should be skating on thin ice. And her colleagues at Sky News. Because they allowed a an NHS England boss go on Sky yesterday morning and, or was it the morning, no, it was the day before yesterday, and make an outlandish claim that there are 14 times as many people in hospitals now compared to November 2020. Absolute horse shit. Absolute horse shit. It, they talk about fake news. And ironically, dear listener, Sky News is going to be running a report later this week and it's going to feature this programme. Sky News have been in touch with me to say, oh, we're offering you right of reply, we're going to do a hit piece on your radio programme uh, later on in the week. It wouldn't be the first time that Sky uh, had a go at this programme. They did it last year as well. Um, Kate McCann then, uh, the, hours after, hours after they ran a piece on me last year, they got in touch hours later to say that they were trying to reach me, they couldn't reach me, which was bollocks. But anyway, at least this time they've been in touch to say we plan to do a piece on your programme on misinformation. Would you like right of reply? But of course they haven't, they haven't kind of outlined exactly what it is they'd like me to reply to. Which statement is it that I've made or a guest has made? Which specific thing did you hear that you think is misinformation? So we'll be getting a bit of free advertising from Sky in the week, which is good, no harm in that. 22 minutes past the hour. But you had this guy, David Lloyd, on. And this is not as big a whopper as the claim that there are 14 times as many people in hospital now. But it's a whopper. Thank you very much. David Lloyd is with us now. Hello to you, Doctor. Um, Lloyd, where, where are you on masks and travel? <laughs> Brilliant question. Where are you on masks and travel? Oh, I'm totally in favour of masks. The, the data is very strong that, that it is the number one thing to prevent transmission. Bullshit. There's no data, none whatsoever, that suggests that masks are effective uh, at preventing transmission. None. And there are one and a half million people in the UK actually actively with COVID at the moment. So What? One and a half million people actually active with COVID right now? So you don't know who you're going to meet, who's going to have it. <laughs> Mm. What about Prime Ministers walking around hospitals without one on? <coughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, I did just see that on your clip just before I came on. I was aghast. Thank goodness. He's broken all the rules. We still have yeah. to wear masks. Yeah. No, it's, uh, somebody didn't have a word with them there, I think. 
He rolled his sleeves up, tucked his tie and forgot his mask. Exactly. I mean, there was a complete, a complete own goal. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Um, talk to me. Uh, you said, um, did you say one and a half million people have got COVID at the moment? Yeah, are you going to challenge that, Kay? Or are you just going to twirl your index finger in your fucking ginger locks? Or are you actually going to ask a question? Yes, the data I've just looked at. So, Which data? There are one and a half million active cases in the UK at the moment. So right. numbers are down. Numbers are down. Um, but deaths are going up. Deaths are not going up. And one and a half million people are coughing and spluttering and have lost their sense of taste and smell. So. One and a half million people are coughing, spluttering and have lost their sense of taste and smell. That's a massive lie. Even if there are one and a half million cases, the great majority of those cases will have been detected using a PCR test. The great majority of those people won't even have a temperature. And he knows that. Burley knows that. But hey, we live in a post-truth world now, don't we? That's, that's what the, the reality is at the moment. It isn't, though. Mm. So mm, mm. they need to, people need to have jabs. They need to have their booster. <laughs> but I was chatting to the health secretary. I don't know if you heard it um, earlier on. In the people need to have jabs. They need to have their booster. Kate Burley is a worthless wench of 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 a human being. Burley will remember, you know, three weeks to flatten the curve. Burley will remember that. Burley will remember 15 million jabs to freedom. We're well over 110 million jabs administered in this country of 60 plus million people. And it doesn't stop. It never ends. Boosters now. Boosters in the spring or in the late spring. Calls for vaccine passports. Burley herself calling for the, the, the penalising. We played the clip the other day, the penalising of those who don't take their, their medicine, their government-mandated medicine. It'll never end. Dreadful, isn't it? What, what's happened to my profession? It's dreadful stuff. It's 20, coming up for 26 minutes past the hour. I'll read a couple of quick comments, I'll take a tune, and I will get my guest on uh, the line. It might be 90 minutes today, we'll have to wait and see. Do keep the comments coming in. Lots of them coming in right about now. Lucy says, isn't that flu? Losing your sense of smell and taste. That's my experience of flu. I've been unwell myself for about four weeks. Difficult to shake. I did not lose my sense of taste and smell. I'm aware that it's believed that if you... It's believed that one of the common symptoms of COVID-19 is taste and smell loss but yes Lucy's right it's always been an issue with flu the sense of smell and taste disappearing temporarily I haven't had that I know of a half a dozen people that I bump into regularly on my dog walks who've been sniffling and I've asked them you know I have gen genuinely asked them what about the taste and smell thing? I think one person said yeah but for everybody else it's no no it's just the usual thing the throat the nose, the headache, the bit of dizziness, the bit of lightheadedness, but no, I've still got my my sense of taste and smell. Yes, indeed. Kieran says, hang on, if there are one and a half million people walking around with COVID-19, and uh, circa 10,000 people in hospital, that infers a case fatality rate of 0.6%. I'll take my chances as Kieran. Kieran, I'll trust your mathematics. I don't have time to get a calculator now. But yes, 
Good. Okay. Lots of comments. Chris Morell says, Javid told that woman to be careful with the figures. Don't exaggerate them too much, dear, he says, uh, Chris. Right. Here's a tune. It's the House Martins and Happy Hour on the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. Wednesday's show, midweek it is. I've been watching the semi-final of the cricket while I've been preparing today's programme. So I have. The House Martins and Happy Hour on the the Richie Allen Show, Wednesday. Great song. I can't remember what year that was. I can't remember. Jack says, what was it? 85, was it? 85 or 86? I'm going for 86. 86, that's my guess if I'm wrong. Well, uh, Jack says, I talked to my father in a care home in Canada in the other night. He says, I asked him if they were badgering him to get a booster, knowing that he's already had two shots. No, he said, I've already had four COVID shots now. Four, says Jack. This will never end. Jack, look into that. Maybe your father may have miscounted, maybe. It's possible. I can't imagine they've given him four, but mate, I'm not, I'm certainly not calling you. Uh, a liar, why would you say that if it if it didn't happen? Four already, is that right? I would have thought they'd be giving the third ones out now, but anyway. Gavin says, Richie, cases, cases and more fake cases. As you say, more PCR rebranding and nonsense. Bin the testing and people can die if what actually kills them. And, excuse me, yeah, there's a bit of a typo there, Gavin. Bin the testing and people can die of what actually killed them. Gavin is alluding to the fact that there is a widespread belief, and we know this is true, Oxford University covered this, excuse me, uh, published a paper on this last year, The Telegraph picked it up, that too many people were being, COVID was being listed on the death certificate of too many people that were terminally ill. But were in hospital and tested positive for COVID while they were there. COVID certainly didn't kill them. And... Look, we'll, we'll leave that there and we'll get Wes on the line, shall we? Shall we get Wes on? Let's get Wes on. This is, this is really interesting now. As I mentioned, Shelley Tasker, who's got a radio program which is, which is broadcast on Facebook. I recommend you check it out. It's called The Shelley Tasker Show. If you haven't before, check it out. Shelley got in touch with me overnight and said, Richie, you might want to get Wes Jackson on the program. So I said, right, we'll, um, we'll give Wes a shout. Uh, she said, I came across him on a video on BitChute. Wes was speaking to a somebody who has a channel on BitChute about his experiences as a funeral director of the uh, of the, the so-called pandemic. Right. Now, Wes is the owner and director. It's his business of a company called Cremation Low Cost Direct UK. The website is creation-low-cost-direct.co.uk. And I'm uh, delighted that he's decided to give us some of his time this afternoon. Wes, thanks so much for coming on. Welcome to the programme. Hi, how are you? I'm really well, my friend. Um, It was going to have a nice round. I haven't had too much time today I looked into the business obviously and I looked at the Google reviews and your business is in good standing, you've got a good reputation, I brought you on listen to the BitChute video very interesting, but let's have a chat just to kick off to get to know one another, tell us about your business Wes, give us a bit of a plug for the business, when did it start and and, uh, what's it all about Well basically my my partner has been at it for about 10 years now um, and I've come in three years ago and taken over the business um, he's quite elderly so uh, he's 
basically we, we do early morning cremations, which helps out a lot of people that don't have... Where's the line? Sorry to interrupt you. The line is terribly bad. Do you mind if I hang up and call you back and clear the line? Sometimes it, it works. We are using a mobile. If you don't mind, we'll do that. I'm just going to clear the line. It sounds a bit, uh, sounds a bit muggy, doesn't it? Let's try it again. It, it's remarkable to me how often this works. <laughs> you know, when you ring up your 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 television provider and you say that your box is on the blink and they say, plug it out and plug it back in. It, it does work a lot of the time. Yeah. I, I hope we're better this time, Wes. Great. Yep. Okay. Are, are you on the hands-free by any chance? Yes. I don't know if it's possible for you to take us off the hands-free because it is very noisy and scratchy. I know I know you're on a mobile. And I don't want to be advising anybody to put it to their ear, but at the same time, unless we can do it over a landline, can we? I've got it at my ear now, so it should be all right. Uh, see, that's a thousand times better. Wes, thanks. Yeah. I'm sorry for the um, for, for the sound issues there. So you took the business over three years ago. Your your business partner, w- getting a bit old, needed a hand. You got in. Tell us about the yeah. business. So it's low-cost funerals then. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, basically, we, we help people out who don't really want a big show um, that costs like three, four thousand pounds. So it helps out people who are on low incomes or they, they just want a simple send-off. Um, and of course, over the so-called pandemic, this sort of funeral has taken off a lot more than the big expensive ones. Now, you would have thought that we would have been inundated when you can only have about 10 people turn up for a funeral, but we weren't. So. Well, yeah, this this is interesting. So the, so the business then is a godsend to people that don't have a lot of money, and who yeah. who maybe haven't put away or or invest. I hate to say invested, but some people put money away monthly. You know, yeah, sure, in yeah. the advent that they do die, that their partner, their wife, or their husband won't incur the expenses. So that's what you've been doing for about three years. And yeah. um, pre the so-called pandemic, it was going well. The business it was doing okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we have our quiet patches like summer um, and then it gets busy again in the autumn into the winter. So I got to see what it was like, um, like a year before this pandemic started. And then March, April, there was a, a little spike last year. Nothing, you know, over the top kind of thing. It was just like a normal flu. At the beginning, ways so so we're talking yeah, right Mar- March, April, twenty twenty. There was a there was a, a a spike, if you if you will, um, and uh, of course they opened up all these makeshift mortuaries all over London. Um, I couldn't tell you how many people were in those places, but the first time I went in, it was quite scary. <clears throat> but as I got used to it and started asking more questions, I realised that this was all just a show. You felt that the 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 temporarily constructed mortuaries. Yeah. You felt yeah. that this was for show. That. Yeah, yeah. That it wasn't that they were concerned that they were going to be inundated with bodies. You don't believe that? No, 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 no. Um, when we went in there, they they would take our phones off us and put stickers on them so we couldn't take pictures. And I was a bit like, well, what is the need of that? And he said, well, I know you won't take pictures, but we've got to make sure. You know, because they didn't want things leaking. Yeah. But you could see these these makeshift places from the roadside, and there was security outside. You know, it was a huge thing. 
And how did you get access, Wes? Were they inviting funeral directors to come and see these places? No, um, it's down to the family. So the family will find a funeral director and um, instruct them to deal with everything. So we would have to go to these places and pick up the bodies. Ah, right, right. And there was quite a few all around London. But they didn't stay very long. I mean, they were down by start to midsummer. They only lasted a few, a couple of months, three at the maximum. So they weren't needed. Well, we know that, don't we? We know that now. Yeah. Just like the I mean, Nightingale one, Hospitals. There was one down in South London that wasn't even in use. But they had staff there. But there, was there were staff no bodies ever taken into it. You know, you know, you you personally know that it never dealt with any with anybody. Yes, yeah, because it, it went up later than the others, and I spoke to the staff there, and there was nobody in it. So there was all this being spent, and not a person in there. Could it be that they genuinely felt that COVID was going to be catast- catastrophic, and they were just basically covering themselves by erecting the temporary well, yeah, mortuaries? They they obviously li- listened to what Neil Ferguson had to say. Yeah. On anyway, yeah, which is not the same as putting them up for show now. Let's be honest about it. That, that's a different thing entirely. They they might have genuinely believed at the beginning that there was going to be an avalanche of dead bodies. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe you're right. I, I don't know. That. Yeah, it's it's it's, there's, it's not. Yeah, there's, there's more to this. In um, you know, these these ones were out on show, and then when it got to January this year, they had makeshift mortuaries that were not out on show. They were hidden away. You wouldn't see them from the roadside. I went in those, um, and this is when they'd already started vaccinating people, you see. So they're trying to hide it. Is that January 2021 we're talking about now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, I, yeah. I think this is one of the reasons why you did the video with the BitChute channel, I think. I yeah. think I think we're coming to that now. Because you... So, so go back to when they began to roll out the jabs. What... What was your experience then as a director of a funeral service, as somebody who was arranging funerals? When they started rolling out the jabs, did you notice anything in your own business? Yes, yeah, we had more deaths January, February time. Um, And funnily enough, none of these were COVID. This year, in 2021, we've only had one COVID positive. So... I don't know where all these deaths are supposedly coming from that have died of COVID because we should be seeing more than that. So we've got time now, you and I, right? Well, as long as you have time, I have time, right? So we can take yeah, as much yeah, time as yeah. we need, right? So so let's let's go through this step by step. So, so in January, February time, you said you were seeing far more deaths. Could you expand on that a bit, Wes? Are, yes, uh, what, they were what, mainly older people. Right, and comparing it to what years exactly? Um, what do you mean by comparing it to years? Well, you know, you the said, previous year. Yeah, pretty much. Well, 2020 and 2019, 2018. I know you've only been in the business three years, but but compared to yeah, other years, um, what was it like? Well, you you probably get more old people in the winter anyway, but it, it was all that age group. There was not. There's nothing written down to say that anybody had the vaccine, so there's nothing to check on there. Yeah. But they were all older people. And then as the months went on and they injected... Um, younger people, say like in their 60s, we had a, a spike of them, and it's literally gone down the age groups. Right? Can I can I can I clarify that? So when th- th- this rollout, this government jab rollout, was done in stages, as you correctly said there. Yeah. So, so are you saying that each time it moved to a new age group? So it moved yeah. uh, it moved from the over 75s 
down to the over 60s or the over 65s, then it moved down to the over 50s. Your contention is that each time that happened, that coincided in a spike in people passing away. Yeah. Yeah. And I had the, I had the most ever that I'd have lived on go about April time, and they were all in their forties and fifties, which is just. I mean, you could say that all the older people that were going to die have gone, but at the same time they're injecting that age group. So I had about eleven or twelve lined up. So you think there was a a much you think there was a higher than usual amount of young people dying. At yeah. that time. Now, as the funeral director, would you be able to see or get any, even so much as a glimpse at what the cause of death was? Would you be able to get access to that information? Yes, yeah. That's on the doctor certificates that they produce. And what was on the certificates oh, oh, for these the people column. over 40s after the jab rollout and, the, and people over 50? What, what, what was well, on? See, they, they put down a combination of things. So um, myocarditis can be in there or myocardial infraction. Um, and you've seen that yourself, the, Wes, haven't you? They, they, they've also got other issues, so it's it's not cut and dry, basically, but they, they, you can see there's something going on. Um, yeah, this is really interesting now. And and you were you, you were honest enough to say that you, you, you don't know whether the deceased has had the COVID jabs or not. It's important no, to be honest no. about that. At the no, same time, at the same time, you were seeing a rise in people dying in those age groups that coincided yeah. with that age group beginning to get the jabs. At that. Yeah. And did you discuss that with anyone? I mean, did you discuss it with your business partner, with other funeral directors? Um, I haven't discussed it with other funeral directors. Yeah, my business partner. But um, what did your business partner reckon? He's a bit. Blase with it all, but you know he's an older man, so it's 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 a, it's a difficult situation, especially with um, people in mortuaries and other funeral directors. Although I did have one funeral director ask me if we were busy in the autumn last year, and I said no, we're not. We're really quiet, and he was as well. And it was, turns out that it's been one of the quietest autumns that there's been. And that's during a pandemic. That you, was before the the jab rollout. That's that is interesting. You would you would you you wouldn't be in a position, I imagine, to speculate as to why it was a very quiet autumn. Well, because people had died earlier in the year in during that spike. But you know, if if people are testing positive and um, dying of supposed COVID, then they, the numbers should be going up during autumn. But they weren't. We didn't see we didn't see hardly any until January, January, February, even in March, April. I heard from people on this program earlier in the year who were connected to care homes who said that in in the immediate aftermath of the rollout of the jabs to, to that age group to senior citizens, they saw um an increase in in mortality in care homes. Uh, I think yeah. even the BBC ran a story on, on one particular care home where quite a few people had passed away at that particular time. The government says, look, th- these jabs, while they are still 
um, relatively new, that every stone has been turned over to try and make sure that they are safe. They say they had no choice but to get them out as quick as they can. And they say that the chances of getting myocarditis or, or anything sinister from one of these jabs, they say it's very, very remote and that the, 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 the virus itself is worse, you know, is, 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 is a bigger concern than the jab, that the risk is worse, if that's what they say. What do you think, uh, Wes? Well, I, I think that, I mean, yeah, the could have been jabbed are dying of other things as well, but you see, they've already got things wrong in their body, so why would you be putting a, an injection in that's, you know, probably going to push them over the edge if you're not even checking their health before you do it? So, you see, there's this rush to get everybody vaccinated, but is it working? I did speak to a funeral director in Milton Keynes earlier in the year, yeah, and he came on, he was on with me for a while, we had a chat about it, and he gave an account of his 12 months over the, from the beginning of the the, the so-called pandemic, right up to earlier this year, which which is when you said that you noticed when the jab was rolled out initially, that you were seeing a spike in yeah. in in uh, in deceased people coming into the funeral home. Um, he was pretty adamant that something you know that, that that something was very wrong. I asked him the same questions I asked you. Is there anything you can do about that? You know, is there anywhere you can go? You know, is there anybody you can talk to about it? Is is, is there? Is there um, a body, Wes, that, that governs or that, um, is there an authority for funeral directors? As far as I'm aware, it would be probably us getting together, which is why I want to speak out about it so that more people can. Yeah. Um, but you see, if, 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 if the pandemic was as bad as they're saying, we should be getting COVID deaths this year, um, more so than people who may, may have not had the jab kind of thing. So, like I said, we've had one positive, we just died of a positive test, um, died of other things. Died of other things. Yeah, there should be a lot more. Well, the government I mean, claims... We're in the biggest city in the UK, they, they, these, these numbers should be through the roof if you're locking a country down. They say the government, has, the government says that over 150,000 people have died. Um, with COVID or died within 28 days of testing positive for COVID. But you're saying that throughout 2020, when things were supposed to be really bad, and you're, yeah. you're a budget, I, I don't mean in any yeah. way to be disrespectful, but you offer no. a, a budget service for people who can't afford it. And which, which yeah. I would imagine, is, I said it earlier on, it's probably a godsend for people who lose somebody very suddenly. I would imagine, and yeah, they've not yeah, prepared yeah, it for is, it. it is. I would imagine it's a godsend. And, and, and you're saying in 2020 that you were not exactly rushed off your feet. No, no. At the, at the beginning, which was March, April, we had quite a lot there. And then in, in the autumn, we were dead. And yet they, they, were, they were locking the country down. So Tell us about March, April 2020. When you said you had a lot, was that... Two or three times more than 2019, was it twice as many? Would you be able to put a finger on just how much busier you were in spring 2020 as opposed to the previous year? Um, yeah, we were busier. 
there, there was obviously something there, um, you know, whatever it was. Um, but it was like, it would have been like just a normal flu season where something's triggering all these people and, you know, we, we had quite a lot of deaths. But it soon tailed off. What about care homes at that time? One of the things the government has been hammered for is for basically condemning people to die in care homes by discharging hospital patients back into care homes without checking to see if they had COVID-19 or, or anything else really. And then that that spread in care homes and, and killed a lot of people. In spring 2020, was it much older people you were seeing when you were busy, Wes, coming into the home? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it I definitely was so. old, and, and and was it care home people you were you were dealing with? Um, I couldn't say a hundred percent on that. I mean, some of them they um, may have died in care homes and been moved to like the um, extra storage units. So didn't quite know. You don't always know where they've actually come from. So we only get the information that we're given. Before all of this, Wes, I'll ask this in the interest of fairness, I suppose. Before all of this, were you somebody that would have paid attention to programmes like this or were you somebody that was oblivious to, you know, the fact that there is an alternative media that have been talking about these things for many years? Was that something no, you were no, into? No, you didn't... I, I, was, I was awake to it all before. Right. What but do you I was, mean? I was still a little confused in March and as, it, as things rolled on, I sort of had a inkling as to what what was going on here. Do you mind me asking, like, when you said that you were awake to it all before, what do you mean by that? To alternative media, um, you know, not trusting everything the mainstream media is saying. So you were kind of looking out for it. So when you heard that there was a pandemic and you were kind of keeping your eyes open, wouldn't it be nice if you could get, say, one or two funeral directors from different regions of the country uh, to, to to just have a chat and say, look, what, give us your numbers. What was going on? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, it would. Wouldn't it? I'm particularly fascinated by your yeah. claim that when the jab rolled down to certain age groups, that you began to see that age group more prominently in the funeral home. Now, look, yes. there are people who listen to this now and they will say, look, Wes is full of crap now. Richie Allen is full of crap. That's oh, anic- they, they, they will say that's anecdotal evidence. Just because it happened in Wes's funeral home, that he might have seen people that coincided yeah, with it, sure. it, it, it doesn't. That's what they'll say. They'll say it's anecdotal. But you're adamant that once they rolled it out to the over fifties, you started seeing people over fifty coming into the home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, but we don't know if they were jabbed or not. Well, you see, there's no, there's nothing written down for that. So, yeah, that's obviously done on purpose. I mean, surely there should be a record of it all. There we are, um, and as and as it's gone on to into the summer, what I've noticed is babies in the adult fridges, mortuaries. Now I was going to bring this up because I, the the guy, I, I couldn't hear the guy interviewing you on the Bitute video very well, uh, not to criticise him at all. I just couldn't make out. This this really intrigued me and horrified me at the same time. Take us yeah. through that step by step. What do you mean by? Um, babies in fridges 
Well, each mortuary has a, a section for birds and probably holds about eight to ten or six in some of them. <clears throat> but what I, I I was in one mortuary one day and I just looked around and the adult fridges are down in number at, at present, but there was all these baby of and then the mother's name. And I looked around and they the, the, the were in excess. I mean, this is, I, I, I've been to that same hospital now, um, I think it was end of July, and then I went again just this month, and the numbers are still up. And I've also seen it in another two. You went, you went to a hospital mortuary as part of your job, yeah. and yeah. you noticed that the the refrigeration units where the deceased are stored, you noticed that there was an ex. You seemed to believe that there was an excess of very young, recently born infants. Have I got that right? Have we lost Wes? There, Are you still there, Wes? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, me. Yeah, thank God you're still there. No, I thought we'd lost you yeah. for a moment. No, I, I was just clarifying with you. So as part of your job, you go to a hospital mortuary and you said yeah. that you saw um, an unusual number of deceased babies in Baby, in refrigeration yeah. units. Yeah, yeah. In more than one. In more than so, one mortuary? Yeah. And were you able to learn anything about why you were seeing so many babies? No, no. Um, I, I, I didn't ask them, but I, I was just, couldn't believe it. And do you mind me asking, when was this? Was that recent? Recently, and in summer. And in the, and in um, the summer? Yeah. But you see, as now younger people are getting vaccinated, obviously there's not as many 20 or teens dying like the older people, but it seems like there's miscarried kids or stillbirths. I'm only being fair now in saying that we have no idea that the babies that you saw died because their mums miscarried no, no. them because they had vaccines. We we can't say that. It's wrong to say no, that. No, we can't. I, I understand that. And oh, listen, you can so say I, what you want. I, I I wouldn't censor you. But what I'm saying is, I I couldn't I couldn't put that out there as fact because. We just don't no. know. Look, the go again, the government is telling pregnant women to come forward at the speed of light that you need to have the jab. They're saying that yeah. they're saying that at the moment they're seeing an unusual number of pregnant mothers in intensive care units with COVID. That's what they're mm -hmm. saying. Um, okay. I've heard I've heard from a, a, a local hospital, and again, this is anecdotal too. But a nurse that I know in a local hospital has told me that they don't have any pregnant women in ICU with coronavirus, but that's just one local hospital. Yeah. So who yeah. knows, you see. This is so murky, isn't it, Wes? Yes, it is. It is. It's, hard, it's hard to get the correct information because a lot of it's private and confidential, but to see that amount, I mean, when they are vaccinating this age group, all right, some of them are maybe the not vaccinated. I don't know, but how many babies? How many babies be, would you say you've seen altogether? I've seen in, in in this one hospital there was about thirty, which is a high number. Hang on a second, you're saying that in one hospital mortuary you saw thirty babies. Mm-hmm. I counted them. You couldn't take a photograph, no. No, I suppose not. No, it's. 
private and confidential, so... And you swear to that, Wes? Yep, yep. Because I don't I'm, know, because I, I don't know you, and you don't know me, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not the mainstream media. I don't embarrass people or insult them. But Wes, I'm struggling with that. Thirty babies. Yes. Yeah. Mother of God. I know. So I mean, if if they are dying through unvaccinated mothers, surely it would be big thing on the news. It yeah. says to me there's some sort of, as you say, murky and don't want to really speak about it. Well, we, we live in this country at the moment where we've known for years people like me and obviously people like you because you've said you've looked into certain things. We know that we don't have a media. There is no media in this country outside no. of the independent no. media. But I don't have I don't have so much as a runner, let alone a, a, an editor or a producer. So I hear these things and I just can't investigate them. I can't do that. Yeah. And when, like when the media says that, when it looks, when it allows the doctor on and the doctor says, ICU units are seeing an unusual number of pregnant women with COVID, the media, of course, should, should do everything in its power to confirm that. You know, mm. to get a source, to go down, even if it means going to the hospitals. But of course, the media doesn't do anything. It just tells you to believe it. Yeah, and yeah. ironically, the media might say, well, you're believing Wes. I'm not saying that I believe Wes. I'm not saying I disbelieve him. Yeah, sure. Uh, Wes is speaking here on an open platform. People can make their own minds up. Uh, yeah. Let me just remind our listeners, Wes, we've got Wes Jackson on. Not far from London, Wes, is that right? The call is dropping in and out there. But let me tell you anyway, Wes can be found online at www.cremation-low-cost-direct.co.uk. That's cremation-low-cost-direct.co.uk. The company provides a funeral service for people that don't have very much money. And uh, it's a gift, I suppose, to people who uh, have somebody to, uh, to, uh, to lay to rest and they don't have the money to do it. Um, let, whether you're still there because it seems like the call is dropping out yeah, it, did, it did cut out yeah you're, you're back here. you're back that, that, that's good news so so you, your the reason then for coming out with this information is because you want to kind of jog or give a bit of a poke to other funeral yes. workers is it funeral directors and people who've lost children you know I want to it's time they started to speak whether they've had the jab or they haven't had a jab I think the information needs to get out there because what I've seen is unusual. And if 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 it's if the, if it's the media that are saying that oh, um, pregnant mothers need to get vaccinated, then surely they would be reporting that it's the unvaccinated that are losing their children, which doesn't seem to be. <laughs> yeah, if there was a, a big upsurge in unjabbed young women losing their babies. Oh, yeah. They, 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 I think you're right, yeah. First thing on news. So, um... 30, Wes. On my, on my last video, there are a few people who've written underneath there that they... people that have had the jab and then lost, lost the child, so... If more and more people speak out, then it will get out there and get the message out there. And you swear you saw 30 babies in refrigeration 30, units? yeah. The time before, I saw about 18. So it's still high. Very high. 
Well, look, I, I echo your plea if there are funeral directors around the country, and it doesn't necessarily need to be the UK if you're in Ireland, if you're in the United States and what you're hearing from Wes makes some sort of sense to you, do speak out about it. You don't necessarily have to come on this programme, but do speak out about it. If you if you notice that, that, that like Wes is that along the stages of the rollout, so they start off with the over seventies and the over sixties. It's probably different. It was probably the over sixty fives, the over fifty fives. I can't remember. But at each stage, Wes said that there was an upsurge in people coming into the funeral home from the exact same age group where they had just begun to to uh, to inject those those people. Wes, is there anything else you'd like to say before we um, part company today? Um, only about the suicides as well. Tell us about suicides. Well, they went. They seem to go through the roof from somewhere on onwards last year. Um, that that was mainly what we were getting in autumn when it was quiet, and it was mainly all young men. Young mainly men. All young men in their twenties, thirties, forties. That that has calmed down now, though. Um, but it was shocking to see. That's a tough business to be in in the first yeah. place, running running a funeral home, because you're meeting people in in the worst time of their lives. I'm guessing, Wes, yeah. in the three years you've been doing it, dealing with um or 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 helping the families of suicide uh, victims, that must be even worse, is it? Yeah, yeah, it was it was really tough. At one point, I thought, I don't know if I can keep doing this every time. We do a funeral; it's um, a mother crying for her son. You know, it's it's so difficult to see, and I, most of that is caused by overdoses, drinking. Um, you know, a result of the lockdown, losing jobs. <clears throat> and did families that you were meeting did did they share? that story with you, did did they say that their young son had become depressed during lockdown? Were you hearing that specifically? I'd, I'd heard it a couple of times, but we, we we tend not to delve too far unless they want to, you know, talk to us. Um, with a lot of people, they, they don't want to say a lot. Well, do me a favour, stay in touch with me. We're connected yeah. anyway, we have each other's numbers. Yeah. And uh, thanks for coming on, first of all. It's I appreciate pleasure. you coming on. And uh, I'll get some listener reaction to this now, uh, no doubt, in the next uh, couple of minutes. Uh, to, I hate to say the best of luck with your business, and I don't mean to be stupid or flippant or, or make silly jokes, but uh, yeah. look, you're, you're providing a good service. I do know that. Yeah. I did look into the yeah. business. You're providing a service that's, um, you know, much more affordable than... Than, than your competitors and then funerals normally are so it's an important thing I think you're doing yeah. there so um, good luck mate let us know if there's Great. any developments on it and um, I will do yeah and thanks yeah. again for coming on it's a pleasure alright thanks Great. Wes Wes Jackson what do you think of that Wes Jackson speaking to us live not far from London he runs a funeral home does Wes he's been doing it for about three years I'll give you the website again it's www.cremation. Did I say hyphen? Did I? I'm an idiot, me. It is hyphen, yeah. You can say dash or hyphen. www.cremation hyphen low hyphen cost hyphen direct.co.uk. And uh, Shelley Tasker in Cornwall, who's been on the programme before, 
got in touch with me this morning and said, you need to have a look at this and maybe invite him on. What do you think of it? Let me know through the website. It's richieallen.co.uk. At the top of the page, comment live on the menu bar. And um, do you know what I was going to do there? This is. Uh, this, do you know what I was going to play? Do you know what I was going to play? And I dragged the song out of a massive bank of music. Do you know the song that's in the in the playout? You won't believe it. It's Cemetery Gates by the Smiths. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, that being said, I was thinking of a Smith song. But um, I'm not going to play Cemetery Gates. That'd be a bit disrespectful, maybe. I don't know. Um, yes, I've got a song from the Smiths. When I come back, I'm going to read your comments. Let me know what you think. As I said, richieallen.co.uk At the very top of the page, the menu bar on richieallen.co.uk where, by the way, I post articles with my opinions on a daily basis. There for you to uh, rip to pieces or to nod sagely in agreement with. I don't know, you know, it's up to you. From the Peel Sessions, the Smiths. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously. Ensignfilms.co.uk The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk Welcome back. The time is 10 minutes past six. It's uh, Wednesday's programme, the 10th of November 2021. Very interesting call there with uh, Wes Jackson, a funeral home director uh, around London. Now, a number of you are asking about the hospital in question. And uh, I should have made it clear that he wants to keep that information, uh, or he did want to keep that information to himself momentarily. He says he doesn't want to put the name of the hospital out. He made this clear to me before the programme. That's why I said, clearly... um, would he swear to it? Um, now, you, you you get to make your own mind up as to why he won't name the hospital. That's up to you then, you see. I think there are a number of you calling me out for not asking him. Uh, that's my mistake for not mentioning that. I should have mentioned it there and then that he had said that, that he wouldn't be naming the hospital right now. But um, it's, obviously, as a journalist, it's not great for me. I, I, I can't then phone the hospital and, and or, or email the hospital and try to get to the bottom of it. Have you had an unusual or a higher than average rate of infant mortality in recent months? But um, that's why you've heard him speak. It's up to you what you think of him. He is a genuine funeral home director. That's that's why he was on. First thing I did this morning when Shelley said, Richie might want to talk to him, is I had a good look at the company. You might not be surprised by this, but I get a lot of contacts from people claiming to be nurses or doctors or claiming to have worked in some area with which has led them to see some something or to come buy some information that we might find interesting and some of these people they get dropped because I can't corroborate their basic claim 
that they're a, a former nurse or, or a current nurse or a doctor. There are people all the time trying to undermine the independent media, this programme particularly, by trying to get on the programme to, to make some outlandish claim and then to go and try and discredit the programme because I allowed them on, if you understand. So when somebody comes to me with some information and says, oh, this person has this job, they've seen this information, I will first of all make sure they are who they say they are. <laughs> you might think it's the least that you can do, but again, in the truth or industrial complex, you'd be very surprised at how infrequently people actually bother to check that the person they are claiming is a doctor is in fact actually a doctor. Yeah, that's the truth or industrial complex for you. Wes doesn't want to name the hospital. You make your own mind up. Why would somebody lie? I'm not endorsing him now. <laughs> I am not endorsing that. I, I'm absolutely not endorsing it. I've no idea if he's uh, telling the truth or not. What do you think? The obvious question is, why would you make that up? If you've got a funeral home business, you're a funeral director, why would you say that you walked into a hospital mortuary and saw 30 babies in refrigeration units? Why would you say that? You'd have to be pretty sick to say something like that if it wasn't true. Again, I'm not leaning you towards believing Wes. I'm not steering you towards believing him. You know, if you're, if you're, in, if you're hearing evidence, first of all, what has he got to gain by saying that? I'm not going to answer that question because then I would be editorialising more than I've already done. What does he have to gain by saying that? It's not going to do his funeral business any good, is it? You know, so I don't know. You tell me uh, 14 minutes past the hour. Let me just get into the comments now. It's only Wes today, by the way. Do you know, I made a deal with God earlier on, and I don't know if God... Um, <laughs> I don't know if God has much time for me. I was half thinking yesterday of taking the day off today. For, for two reasons. For a very small reason. One... I, I've not been well, as you know, for weeks, and it's taken its toll on me. But two, England played New Zealand in the T20 World Cup semi-final this afternoon, and I really wanted to watch it, because I'm, a, I'm, I'm more than a big fan. I'm a fanatic. So I then had a word with myself and said, even though you're not feeling the May West, which I wasn't, it's not like you, Richie, to just take... Uh, well, it's absolutely not like me. I've never done it to take time off just to sit down and watch a cricket game. So I made a deal with the Almighty, made one of those deals. I said, I'll tell you what, Almighty, I will do my job. I will prepare my programme if, uh, if you let England win. <laughs> and then on Sunday, I can sit down and watch the final to me heart's content. Well, England didn't win. England didn't win. In their 20 overs, they made 166 for four. But New Zealand went past it with five wickets to spare. New Zealand are in the final where they will play Pakistan or Australia. That semi-final takes place tomorrow. So, God blast you, baby Jesus. I thought we had a deal. No blasphemy intended if the baby Jesus is, um, is real. <laughs> As he might very well be. Let me go to the comments. Ren says, Sorry, didn't mean to spook you, but from what you said before, you are definitely in the sights for the next takedown. I'm not in anybody's sights. I, I've, I've been... This programme has been... Has, has had, over the last couple of years particularly, 
has taken quite a bit of stick from from what I these days call the legacy media. When I say I call it, it's been known as the legacy media for some time. It's not my moniker. But um, they've all had a go at me. Uh, Sky News last year, uh, Talk Radio, The Guardian, The Daily Mail, they've all had a pop at me over the years. That's fine. As I said earlier on, and I did mean it, it's um, it's free advertising for The Richie Allen Show. They, they're stupid, these people. I don't mean the individual people. The organisations are galactically stupid. They only draw attention to us. I had a rather patronising email today from a Sky reporter who's pretty well known. I will not mention her name because I don't want you or anybody else uh, insulting her on social media. We don't do that, ever. And uh, and I don't know this person. I don't, she, might be, she might be a decent person, so I'll never name her. But she's emailed me today to say, listen, we're going to run a report. I'll read you the email for the crack. But I won't mention the woman's name. <clears throat> but apparently, you can look forward to a report on Sky News in the next few days that heavily features the Richie Allen radio show. Like I said, publicity you just can't buy. So anyway, my name is blah, blah, blah. I am a reporter with Sky News. I am, I'm writing to request a right of reply from you ahead of the publication of a written and video story. I will be reporting that. You, Richie Allen, present a podcast and radio show which regularly pulls in around twenty to 30,000 listeners on its main platform. Please! <laughs> Please! Give me a break. She went on Podomatic.com where on Podomatic.com each episode gets downloaded about 30,000 times a day. But that's just Podomatic. That's not all the other places it's podcasted. That's also not including the live listening figures. 20 to 30,000 listeners. Please! This is where I go full-scale diva. Give me a break. Multiply it by 10, love. And that's only uh, on a weekly basis. At least multiply it by 10. Anyway, your coverage includes claims that although coronavirus is real, there is no pandemic and that the COVID-19 vaccine is dangerous. (laughs) It's patently obvious there isn't a pandemic. And we know the COVID-19 vaccine is dangerous because we've spoken to people... Um, who have been injured by it. We've spoken to doctors like Dr. Pat Morrissey, who told me that he knows patients that have been injured by it. So it is dangerous. And it's far more dangerous than the manufacturers of the vaccine and the regulators would have you believe. Anyway, she, this reporter, she moves on. I won't give you any more details about her. Your spoken and written coverage about climate lockdowns has been increasing in recent months. Yes, it has. That's because I believe that climate lockdowns will be a thing in the future. I'm convinced of it. I might very well have been the first person last year to say, very early last year, hey, this lockdown thing will catch on with with, with climate change. Didn't I? You remembered. So, yes, I have been saying that. I'm allowed my opinion. I write articles for richieallen.co.uk. I make it obvious that these are my opinions. And I interviewed a reporter, didn't I, who had been on Fox News, a sister, well, a former sister station of Sky News. I interviewed a gentleman who said that he'd seen evidence that the, that the climate change evangelicals 
were mooting, mooting climate lockdowns as a way of mitigating man-made climate change, which of course I don't believe is real. She says, this includes a recent blog post on your site where you write, quote, didn't I say last year that climate lockdowns would be a thing? I said that Sunday driving would be rationed as well as certain foods. Yes, I did. That's my prediction. I might be wrong. I'm still struggling to understand what this woman's point is. But anyway, my coverage of your show and blog and its increasing conspiratorial coverage of climate change is part of a wider article looking at how COVID-19 conspiracists who don't believe the pandemic is real and who believe the vaccine is dangerous are increasingly beginning to share conspiracy theories and misinformation about climate change. So she's going to do a hit piece on the Richie Allen show. And I couldn't give a fiddler's. Because it's been done before. And she hasn't given me any real inkling into what she wants me to reply to. Other than this quote about climate lockdowns. Yes, I believe climate lockdowns will be a thing. I'm convinced of it. Based on everything that's been going on in the last 18 months. So, um, there's never been any misinformation about climate change on this programme. Never. Man-made CO2 is not causing the warming of the planet. There's no evidence not a shred of evidence to back that up. Nor is there any evidence to prove that if the planet warms by more than two degrees this century, that we'll all be swimming up to our tits outside our houses, uh, which will be flooded, or that coastal areas are going to be swamped by uh, uh, sea rises of, of, of five metres or ten metres. No evidence. None. It's all conjecture. It's all theory. And it's all linked to the to the the agendas we talk about on this program, the, the Great Reset agendas, the transformation of the way we live our lives. No evidence. So I stand by everything I've ever said on climate change. So then this person says, if you wish to reply or provide a comment for inclusion in the written and video versions of the story, please reply by half four tomorrow. If this will not be possible within this time frame, but you wish to comment, please let me know. Bore off, I say, bore off. I have no interest whatsoever in talking to you. But I will, I'll write back to her. I'll write back to her to say, you know, some of the other idiots in the truth or industrial complex that you libel, they won't sue you. But I'm litigious. If you libel me, I'll come after you. That's all I'll say. Very pleasantly. Don't tell any lies about this programme. Yes, I do believe climate lockdowns will be a thing. Yes, I absolutely do not believe there is a pandemic because there's no evidence to support the, the, the claim that there is a pandemic. None whatsoever. There's a thousand articles on my website quoting the mainstream media, quoting the Telegraph, quoting the Times, quoting the Daily Mail, where they talk about people having COVID listed as their cause of fucking death when they didn't die of COVID. It's a farce. Yes, I stand by all of that. Absolutely. Amen. And uh, and I'll continue to platform people. I might mention in my email, why is Sky News not interviewed Martin Kuldorf, Sucharit Bhakti? Why do you marginalise people like Carl Hennigan? There, there are 70,000 real doctors, nurses, scientists from universities across the world. They call themselves the Great Barrington Declaration. They've got a lot of problems with lockdowns. 
they've got a lot of problems with counting COVID cases. And they've got a lot of problems with these experimental mRNA jabs that are still in trial, will be till 2023, and there is no long-term data for. What's your problem, love? (laughs) How do you put that into an email? I don't know. Maybe I'll send her a video message, maybe. But yeah, it'll be fun. Like I said, you can't buy that sort of publicity, you know. You can't buy it. Uh, a former doctor was whinging and crying about being stitched up by the BBC. <clears throat> a rather diva-esque former doctor, I remember, was bitching and whinging about the BBC. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it, I thought to myself, shut up whinging, you complete moron. It's fantastic a- advertising for you. At least, I don't know what the percentage is, th- th- studies have been done on this, but there is a percentage of people who will watch the BBC and they will look at the person being criticised, and they will, not everybody, but some will go and look for themselves. Free advertising. Stop complaining when you're mentioned by... I was delighted when Talk Radio did that thing on me last year. And when Sky News did it last November on a Thursday night, calling me out for misinformation, I thought, fantastic, wonderful. cost me a fortune to run an an ad on Sky, not that they take my ad anyway, you know? Ah, beekeepers. Here's um, she and him. Uh, then I'll read your comments, and then I don't know what we'll do after that. You're right, Jar. I'm fair to middle of myself. Featuring the dulcet tones of Zooey de Chanel, that's she and him, and why don't you let me stay here? It is the Richie Allen Show. This is the world's most listened to. Independent news radio show. I love saying that because it's true. Isn't it wonderful? It's 28 minutes past the hour. Let me read a few comments. It'll be an early bath for me today, by the way, just letting you know, giving you the heads up. You're lucky to have me. I made that pact with the baby Jesus and I was let down. Next time there's a live sporting occasion <laughs> that I want to watch right in the middle of the week, right in the middle of the Richie Allen show. Well, I'm going, to, I'm not going to make any deals. With the Almighty, I'm just going to watch it. I I got nowhere today with that. Louise says the first climate change death diagnosis happened recently in British Columbia. That's right, Louise. I saw that story myself. Madness. (laughs) Indeed. Yes. Cause of death? Climate change. Yes. You'll see a lot of that. Tiffany says, why does any difference in opinion warrant it to be a conspiracy theory? Yes. You might... Read the Richie Allen website sometimes. There's an article on there, published by myself, the other day, where I talked very briefly about what happened to the media. It's a little, it's a boring little thing that I do every now and then. I talk to you about how the media works, because most people do not know how the media works. Case, case in point. I have a Sky News reporter emailing me for for a comment to comment on being accused of spreading misinformation. Sky News interviewed NHS England boss Amanda Pritchard on the other morning and she lied through her teeth, Pritchard. Now, I can say that because it's true. I have no fear of repercussions. She said that 14 times as many people are in hospital now than this time last year. Lying through her 
teeth. Pritchard did not misunderstand the figures. She was lying. Did a single producer or presenter at Sky bother to check that ridiculous, laughable, like belly laughs, like rolling around on the floor in pain because you're laughing? Claim. Did anybody bother to check it out? No. No, no, it went unchallenged. And I'll say this again, I wrote about it the other day. It's important you understand this. If you're new to the media, I've worked at every level of it. Trust me, I used to be a bullshitter. I'm still a bullshitter on occasion. I didn't make any pact with the baby Jesus. I just said it to see if I'd get a reaction. Um, this is how it works. I noticed this when I began producing a top-rated radio show in Ireland, when I was the producer of it. Uh, there is no journalism. Journalism is dead. It's absolutely dead. We There isn't a single journalist operating on national or commercial or even local radio or television in the UK in 2021. Not a single journalist. They investigate squat. Nothing. They rip and read. I've talked to you about this before a thousand times. They get their editorial from three or four places. Think the Associated Press. Think United Press International. Think Reuters. The granddaddy of them all. That's where they get their information. So are Reuters and the Associated Press, are they journalists then? That's a bit more complicated. I would say no, but i leave that for another day. So the broadcast media gets its information from them. Does it check any of that information? No, it doesn't. It reads it. And well, in fact, it rewrites it. For radio or for television. Two different things. The spoken word on radio. Writing for radio is different than writing for television. Obviously. Right? So they rewrite it and they put it out there. They haven't checked it. They're telling you that it's a fact. They haven't checked it. Reuters. The United Press International. The Associated Press. AFP. The French one. Agence France Press, I think it is. They will put stuff on their website. They will be connected to all the major broadcast networks in the world. They will put stuff on their website like we've got five years to get the temperature uh, to stay at 1.5 or we're all fucking dead. Now, of course, writers, AFP, they won't put it quite like that. But they will put it on its, on their website, on their feed. It will go out to Sky or TE, BBC and what have you. BBC not quite as bad as Sky. Don't throw stones at me. The BBC does still generate quite a lot of its own content, even if it is bullshit. But it does it itself. The BBC is more into news creation these days. Creating a story where there isn't one. But the likes of Sky, Channel 4 News, ITN, they will take a piece of paper from Reuters, from UPI, uh, which is United Press International, from the Associated Press. It says we're all dead in five years. They will report that as fact. I'm aware that a lot of people listening to this right now are hearing it for the first time. Trusted sources. 
This is an oxymoron. Trusted sources. The, the pillars of the media, there's four or five of them. If they say something has happened, well, we'll report it. We don't argue with it. Wrap it into a story, broadcast it, and the producers then, they go and get people to appear on the programme with Kay Borley or Robert Peston or the, the Fiona Bruce or whoever. Nobody at Sky, I have to repeat this is important, nobody checks that information. When I was doing radio, when I was doing telly, on more than one occasion a producer handed me a piece of paper and said, Richie, read that out, and I told him to fuck off. I gave it the full Logan Roy fuck off. Fuck off. Because I looked at what was on the page and it didn't make any sense to me. What I would do then is in an ad break, I would use my own laptop on the studio desk to try and determine whether there was any truth to it. And it's not always easy to do that. So I wouldn't read it out. Are there corroborating sources? Who have you spoken to? Who did you ring? Nobody. And you want me to read that out? As if it's true. Fuck off. When Kay Birdie was told the other morning there are 14 times as many people in hospital now as there were last year, she should have told Amanda Pritchard to fuck off. But she didn't. She was like, really? That's terrible. What do we need to do? Jabs. Boosters. Boosters. Jabs. Masks. Masks. Nobody checked it. <clears throat> I've written on the website many times over the years about how the media works. I worked in it. I know. And the three agencies I just mentioned, they make up about 95% of what, sorry, they produce about 95% of what you can expect to hear on any given day of the week when you switch on a 24-hour news channel. Whether it's RT.com, whether it's GB News, which nobody's watching. There, I will have had more listeners in this two-hour period than GB News will have had viewers in a month. That's a fact, by the way. That's not a joke. So you have RT, you have GB News, you have Sky, Channel 4 News, ITN. 95% of what they tell you comes from a news agency. That's horrifying. But it's true. And it might explain to some listeners to this programme today why has the media not pulled apart the very easy to pull apart COVID narrative? Why haven't they done that? It's it's driving some of you batshit crazy. I totally get it. It used to drive me batshit crazy too. Why are they going along with it? It's a habit that is that it used to be a habit, it's a code of practice, it's an operating system which has now become endemic in every newsroom in the world, radio and television. It is endemic. When I started out, it came out of a printer. Independent Radio News, that was the agency. You went to it, you're looking for something to talk about on your programme, you went to it, you ripped it, you actually ripped it. You looked at it, you didn't question whether it was true or not. What you did was you wrote it again in Radio Speak. You rewrote it for the spoken word. Did I check it back then? Did I... Was I sceptical about any of it? No. Back in 2001, I was ripping out pages that said, well, it's absolutely stone cold true. 
is that Osama bin Laden in a super cave in the Tora Bora Mountains, a cave now which has got vents, it's got computer rooms. Bullshit now. He did it. He did 9-11. He did it. What did I do back then? To my lasting regret, not that I don't think it would have made any difference, I rewrote that story into the spoken word and I went on air. And I said things to my listeners like, well, investigators are certain now that the man responsible for the attacks in New York and in Washington, D.C., the man responsible for the plane crashing into the ground in Maryland is in fact Osama bin Laden. I didn't question any of that. Mea culpa. So that's what goes on. That's what goes on. So it's incredibly ironic when this BBC woman whose name escapes me, Mariana Spring, it's, it's deliciously ironic, is that Mariana Spring was given the job of disinformation reporter by the biggest spreader of disinformation in the world, the BBC. Fantastic. I said when she was appointed two years ago, wonderful, she'll never have to leave the office. You want disinformation, Marianne? Just look, look around you. Look over there. I'm sure you're about five feet from a studio. Just have a look in. Stand behind the cameras. Look at the shit they're talking. There's your misinformation right there, you know. Fantastic. But, um, yeah, people need to know it. We, we used to talk about five corporations owning the media. It's gone way beyond that. You know, it doesn't matter so much now. That doesn't matter now because Twitter and Facebook are becoming the media anyway. So I'm bitching about Sky now. I'm bitching about the BBC, Channel 4 and ITN. I'm bitching about Sky, uh, Fox News and CNN. But I'm actually now behind, I'm behind the times. Because they're going to be phased out eventually. Become increasingly insignificant. I bitch about Burley on Sky. I, I love Kay, really. I don't know what the last numbers were, but Kay is lucky if she breaks six figures on any given morning. That's crap when you think about it. That's not now to be putting her down in that way. I'm not knocking her. I'm not playing the, 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 the man and not the ball. It, it's important to note that. I did read this morning in the Telegraph, I think, or the Times, I think it was the Telegraph, they were reporting on Nicky Campbell's departure from BBC Breakfast to a more mid-morning role, 9 to 11, answering phone calls. Very carefully screened phone calls. You better believe it, right? And in the article, they said that audience, audiences are declining. They tried to say that breakfast audiences are declining because more people are working from home. You see, it's traditionally thought of, or it's accepted generally, that your breakfast listeners are in their cars, or they're on the tube, or in, on the train, and they've got their earbuds in. Up to a point that might be true, that breakfast audiences are declining, and TV news audiences are declining. Yes, the scamdemic might have something to do with it, but I think they've been declining anyway. People are getting their news elsewhere. And typically, people are going onto Twitter.com to look for what's trending. Shall we look at what's trending, dear listener, right now on Twitter, you and me for the crack? 
By the way, if you've just tuned in by absolute accident and you've never heard this before, you might well think, what a load of bollocks this programme is. Who the hell is this guy? It's normally much better than this, believe you me. I was planning on closing out today a half an hour early, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stick around for another few minutes so I can make my point. So what what's trending on Twitter now? Well, of course, that depends on where you are. Twitter will tell you that something is trending in Liverpool and a Twitter user in Jaipur, maybe, will get different trends. So John Cleese is trending at the moment on Twitter because John has... I'm not even going to open the story, I'm going to guess. John has deplatformed himself in solidarity with somebody who has been deplatformed. Wasn't an academic deplatformed deplatformed for mimicking mimicking Hitler in a debate? I think I read that this morning. Some bloke mimicked Hitler, heaven forbid. He's been deplatformed. Apparently there was nothing wrong with what he said. And now people like John Cleese are saying they won't speak in places where others have been deplatformed. Well done. Solidarity. Uh, Ken Livingston is trending, the former mayor of London. I have no idea. But you get the point, right? This is where it's going now, news. It's going to Facebook and it's going to Twitter. Why the hell do you think those who are really running the show are now going after Facebook and after Twitter on, on the whole fake news issue? It's because Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, maybe WhatsApp, maybe, and I'm sure in the next couple of years there will be new platforms owned by the same people. Dorsey, uh, Zuckerberg and his mates. So there will be new platforms. That's where people will get their news. Increasingly, people are getting their news on Twitter. I can see you're shaking your head no, no, it's true. I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you is absolutely true. That's where most people get their news now. People who are younger than me, they're not buying the Times, the Telegraph. They're not buying the Guardian. They can't buy the Independent. It's gone out of print. Uh, they're certainly not buying the Daily Mail as much as they used to. They're going online for their news. And now you don't even need to, to go to the Daily Mail's website, just go to Twitter. Because articles will be shared on Twitter by Twitter and by the mail. That's where people are getting their uh, their information from. So I'm wasting my time talking about how Kay Burley and her pals do the news. They'll be obsolete in a couple of years' time. Those figures will decline and decline and decline. The reason now they're going after the big tech companies, by the way, we're meant to believe that they're going after the big tech companies. It's all one massive charade. It's pure theatre. They know that everybody will be getting their news from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp and others. Now they're putting the rules in place. Now they're telling them, you must ban. You must excommunicate. You must send into exile that guy who criticises the vaccines. That woman who says climate change isn't real. You've got to take that down. You've got to do it at the speed of light. If you don't, we will fine you. This is where we're going with the media. And, uh, yeah. I don't know whether to be petrified or excited about it. <clears throat> because it's quite a time to be alive as somebody who's been in the media one way or another since uh, the late 1990s. What a time to be alive. 
So that's it. You go onto Twitter, see what's trending. I was banned by Twitter. I can still see what other people are doing on there, but I can't tweet, of course. Not that I give a rat's arse that I can't tweet. Iron Brew is trending. Michael Edwards is trending. And people click on that and they get some news. Michael Edwards is a sporting director of Liverpool Football Club and he's about to step down. You needed to know that, didn't you? I just told you. John Denver on The Richie Allen Show. You fill up my John Denver, Annie Song on The Richie Allen Show. It's 11 minutes to the top of the hour. Lots of comments there. Thank you for them. Patricia, who's in Zurich. How you doing our kid? Richie, anyone who isn't aware of the BS lies about this entire COVID saga hasn't been paying attention. And most likely, uh, they just believe the MSM lies. And Patricia sent a link to me. Have you, Patricia? Uh, it's a study from Medervix. Is it Med? I'll have to look at that, Patricia. Thanks for that. Yeah. It's a study that alleges that those who are fully jabbed against COVID-19 are in fact more susceptible to to COVID variant infections than unvaccinated people. Yes, I saw that. Those who are fully jabbed against COVID are in fact more susceptible to COVID variant infections than those who have had no jabs at all. And of course, this is the tragedy. I, I have a Sky reporter asking me about misinformation. I mean, Sky operates in in God's country, in, in Ireland, right? I come from Waterford City. I've not lived in Waterford for 20 years, but I come from Waterford, right? And I'm, I'm proud to be from Waterford. I have to say that because I mean it. And I still have many friends there. And I am reliably told, informed by the local media in Waterford, but also by the Irish National Press, that Waterford, despite being the most vaccinated county in the 26 counties in God's country, um, have had the highest COVID rates there. Wonder is the Sky Reporter interested in that? I wonder is Mariana Spring at the BBC in, interested in any of that? But the BBC, you know, it makes me laugh every time somebody says, "Oh, Mariana Spring wants to do a a piece on the independent media." Mariana Spring, if she wants to find fake news, could ask the BBC why was it complicit in staging a fake chemical weapons attack in Douma in Syria. Do you hear that? Do you hear the crickets? Do you hear the tumbleweed? Oh no, you won't talk about that. They could ask Mariana Spring, why was a BBC reporter on September 11th, 2001 saying that Building 7 had collapsed into a pile of rubble when the building was standing behind her? Do you hear the crickets? Do you hear the tumbleweed? It's vaudeville, dear listener. That's, you know, I said in one of the articles today, I'm boring myself. If I bore myself and I have a threshold, it's a pretty decent threshold, I must be boring you. By repeating the same terms, this is positively vaudevillian. Paul asks, is Cleese deplatforming himself in solidarity with Terry Gilliam? No, Paul, it's to do with somebody who gave a speech at one of the Ivy League universities in the UK in recent days and he mentioned Hitler and he did an impersonation of Hitler. Yeah, 
I'm pretty sure of it. And there, there's been ructions ever since he did it. So, uh, no, mate, I'm pretty sure it's not um, Terry Gilliam, but um, you would imagine that he would have been uh, coming out in support of Terry Gilliam. We talked about Terry Terry Gilliam on Sunday View, didn't we? He was in the papers, Terry, Terry Gilliam, on uh, over the weekend because he has a play. Uh, his production of Into the Woods has been cancelled by the old Vic in London, which is disgraceful. We talked about that on Sunday. Because staff are apparently uneasy about Terry Gilliam's stance on the transgender people. <laughs> Come, let me love you. Remember Jackie Gleason and Smokey and the Bandit 2, that machine, when he when his heart rate went really high? Um, yeah. You know, to hell with all the supporting cast, the actors, the actresses, to hell with the stage hands, to hell with those who put up the stages, the prop fitters, the... the oh, no, no. Terry doesn't believe that if you're born with a tallywhacker, that you are, in fact, a woman. Let's cancel his play. Let's cancel his play. And everybody else that thinks like Terry, let's cancel them as well, you know? <laughs> oh, God. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Marvellous. Yeah. Don't mind me, I'm just, just having a little moment by myself. Yeah, I'm not going to have the sort of moments I had last November, don't panic. Last November I, I just about jacked it in, I'd had enough of it. And uh, decided I was going to wander the world solving problems like Kane from Kung Fu. I have the baldy head. I'm sufficiently good looking. <laughs> Insert joke there. Yeah, I was going to wander the world solving problems. I was going to be a bit like uh, Bill Bixby in The Incredible Hulk. I was going to do that. Just going to go from place to place. And uh, just see a bit of the world. But then I re realised I couldn't do that because uh, there's, I only love one person in the world besides myself. And uh, and that's the oft-mentioned El Frago Tremendito. So I couldn't just, you know, I couldn't abandon her and her puppy. So uh, so here I am. But um, anywho, great phone-in last night. Thank you for the compliments about it. Don't compliment me, compliment the callers. They were outstanding. I, I have stuck to my promise of a phone-in every two weeks. I will continue to do that. Every time we do it, the calls are fantastic. Never let down by anybody. And it's lovely and, and, and dangerous, isn't it? Because I don't get to know, I don't get to see who's coming on. So it could be anybody. I, I, I pine for the day that somebody will genuinely phone up. I've put it out there a thousand times, you know. I have opinions about Zionism. I have opinions about the state of Israel, which my Jewish friends, by the way, in Manchester, they have no problem with whatsoever. But they do they do bother, bother a lot of other people. I, I long for the day when we get back to the old days, when they will ring up to have a pop at me and we can say, right, let's, let's thrash it out then. This is why I think this, not on that issue, on any issue, on the culture wars or whatever the bloody hell. So I do look forward to the phone-ins and I do hope that somebody will ring up and say, I want to take issue with you there. Lady got in touch today who is, uh, uh, who's gay and she said she likes the programme but she totally disagreed with my disapproval of same-sex people having 
children or adopting children. And she sent me a lovely note. So I've invited her on to, uh, to have the bloody platform for right of reply. That's how it should be. But do remember, if you are gay, what did I say last night? I said that if I was given the King Solomon job tomorrow, even though I prefer that children were raised by mum and dad for a bit of balance, even if I was given the magic wand tomorrow, I wouldn't tell you what to do. Don't you just love me for that? I wouldn't make it illegal in the morning, even though I would prefer that mum and dad... I'm sure Elton John and David Fornish love their child. I'm sure that the lovely lesbian couple that were on Good Morning Britain the other morning, giving out about fertility treatment and discrimination against gays, I'm sure when they have a baby they'll give it everything they can. But I believe, not because I'm a Christian, that the babies, God love them, um, might do better with a male and a female influence, with the masculine and the feminine. That's how I feel, you know. And as long as I'm still allowed to say it, I'll say it every now and then. Thanks for listening to the programme. Thanks to Wes Jackson, the funeral director. That was interesting, eh? I'm back with you tomorrow, Thursday at 5 o'clock UK time. I'll never make a pact with the Lord our God again. Congratulations, New Zealand. Good luck in the final against Pakistan or Australia. See you tomorrow. Bye.